You know, there are some things in life that no matter how often you do them, they're just always difficult. I don't know if you remember what it was uh, if you have kids and when they couldn't get through the night and they woke you up screaming and any night when you're not sleeping well, doesn't matter how often it is, it's always difficult. Or consider this. I don't care if you're moving to a dormitory or moving to a new house after decades of living in one house. Uh, No matter the case, moving is just always difficult to pack up the boxes, to find a new place, to uh, find comfort in the new space. It's just always hard. For me, what's been difficult is watching the Cubs. No matter how often they hit into a double play, which seems inevitable, um, it's always bad. I bring this up because the topic I wanted to share with you today, it is always difficult no matter how much you've done it. And what we're talking about is standing up this issue of confrontation. And like so many things in life, there is a ditch on both ends of the issue of confrontation. The ditch on one end is to be so bold and so confident and so rigid that you come across harsh, unmoving, and compassionate. In fact, the litmus, if you're maybe in that ditch a little bit, is that when I refer to confrontation and you're like, that's not a problem at all, um, (laughs) that may be a, a clue that you could be refined a little bit when it comes to confrontation. But on the other end, what if you don't stand up at all? What if you just always take it, you, you never say what's truly on your mind? Uh, what happens there is that there's so many people, I think, today tempted to write off relationships, end it with companies and schools and organizations, because they just, rather than standing up, are just going to leave because they're getting walked over. So the question I have for you is this. How do we stand up in the right way? And I think it's a relevant message because we've seen people stand up so much in our society, especially this past year. But maybe you saw what, what I did. Uh, you, you saw people who were so strong against someone that they demonized the other position. You found rhetoric, rhetoric so visceral that, that it was um, polarizing. You, you couldn't even believe the opposite. Or on the other end, you found people so passive-aggressive trying to stand up but not knowing how that you were confused on where they actually stand. So how do we stand up in the right way? That's why I love coming here and hearing God's voice because God gives us so much wisdom. And the greatest thing you can learn here is that there is a Savior, Jesus, the hope of the world, who forgives our sins and gives us peace and direction all the time. But when it comes to this dynamic of standing up, he's spoken quite a bit about it. And so I want to get into the story of Daniel. And Daniel has had to stand up to King Nebuchadnezzar a few times if you've been with us in the series. Uh, Daniel, when he got to the kingdom, had to stand up and not eat what everyone was eating. Right away, straight out of the gate, he had to kind of stand his ground. He had to stand up when the king had a dream and say, King, we need some more time. Please don't kill us yet. I need some time to pray to God and answer your dream. And so you would think that Daniel, if anyone would be used to confrontation and standing up, that would be Daniel. What we're going to see is that this is difficult for him. He's been through the ringer already, but it's still hard. What Daniel has to do is interpret a dream of the king 
And it's bad news. It's horrible news. I want to share with you the verse, the, the reflection of Daniel as he gets the interpretation of the dream. Daniel called Belteshazzar was greatly perplexed for a time. When he heard the dream, it, it said in the Greek or, or the Hebrew, for about an hour, he just paused. He didn't know what to do. He was just kind of stuck because of what he found. So the king actually had to draw him out. Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. He, he was so reluctant, the king, I think there's something up. Do you want to share that with me, right? And Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The Hebrew here was really interesting. He, he says lord twice, like, lord, lord. And he says enemies twice, if only your enemies, your enemies. And, and the Hebrew basically lets us feel his, his emotion, like, this is a bad word and I don't want to share it, but I have to. And so we're going to learn what Daniel shared for the king, why it was bad news, and we're going to learn in our own lives when and how to stand up as we hear God's word. So at this moment, um, very relevant for our theme for today, would you please stand up as we hear God's word? We believe that he is actually speaking to us through these words. So again, verse 19, Daniel called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed. Let's skip down to 20. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. Your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree, destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times passes by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty. And this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from people. And will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its root means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, Your Majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. And so there we have the dream, this great tree cut down, and its interpretation. He was that tree. We're going to talk about that. Before you sit down, can you shout louder to your neighbor? Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Please be seated. I love that line about that cuts through everything. Why do I need to speak the truth? Because I love you. And I can't love you unless I speak the truth in this regard. Such a great balance. So as we get things going, I want to know, uh, when do we confront other people? When is the right time? And to enter into that discussion, I think having kids um, really helps us out figure out when we need to confront. Because there are two different categories of confronting kids. Uh, one category is when you're annoyed by them. 
Um, I don't know if you ever confront annoying children. Um, maybe they are chewing gum and smacking, and they just have bad manners. Uh, maybe it's a bratty tone or attitude. Uh, maybe they're doing something that's just getting on your nerves. Um, I believe as a parent, God has given you the right. You could confront that uh, based on how you choose or not choose to parent. There's another category completely, though, when a child's in danger. Like, they are a toddler playing with the socket and a pen. Um, they found a knife. How they found a knife, I don't know. But they found a knife, and now they're holding it like a samurai warrior. You have to confront certain situations, right? It's not optional at that time. But that's the dichotomy, isn't it? Um, it it's kind of like I can either um, judge my child for the music they listen to, K-pop or country, and say, no, 80s rock, that's what you need, right? I could confront that. But better than a music preference is to confront them over real-life issues. Listen to the authorities. Do your homework. Listen to those in charge. I bring that up because um, I think one ditch that we're talking about is the person who can't let anything go. And don't raise your hand and don't poke someone next to you. But, but this is a proclivity for some people um, to not let anything go. Every time that they are annoyed, every time something rubs them wrong, they got to say something. And if you know anyone like that, let's just think about other people because we don't have to think about ourselves. I want to share with you some proverbs. So here's one proverb. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. If you know someone, or if this is you, who just wants to say anything about everything, what I want you to imagine is the Hoover Dam, and when you open your mouth to address that issue, you're taking dynamite, and you're just going to let that whole thing rush out. That's what the proverb is saying if you don't guard your tongue if you have to speak every annoyance, everything that bothers you. Scripture goes further. Scripture tells us what it's like to live in a household with someone who does this. Are you ready for this one? So Scripture says, better to live on the corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. And, and by the way, I think, you know, let's be equal. Um, this could be husband, this could be kid, this could be teenager, right? Um, and, and this reminds me of Christmas lights. I don't know if any of you have been on the corner of a roof for Christmas lights, like looking over. That's not fun. But God says, you know, that situation where you think you're going to die, better than the nag. <laughs> better than those who can't choose wisely what to bring up and what not to bring up. In fact, this is so important to God. Do you know that when he called for leaders in the church. He said, if you want to be a leader in the church, this is what you cannot be. It just will not go well. You cannot be quarrelsome. Because God knew if you love to be quarrelsome, if you love to just stir things up, if you love to play devil's advocate, if that's your position in the church, God says, you're going to open the Hoover Dam and pour so much bad, so much division, so much visceral into any community you're disqualified then for leading the church. So we take our cue from Daniel. And what we learn is that Daniel is not concerned because he's annoyed. He's not concerned because it's just a pet peeve of him. Uh, what we learn is this, um, that he's standing up for something dangerous. 
And that's what we're going to get into, but this is our takeaway. Stand up for something that is dangerous, either to you, to them, or to others. And Daniel didn't want to share this word. We kind of experienced that already, but he has to because Nebuchadnezzar's life is on the line. And the kingdom is on the line. And so it's out of care that he has to share this word. He has to warn King Nebuchadnezzar about his pride and his sin. You know, it's the same reason that God tells us to confront others in the church. If you want a master class on confrontation, it's Matthew 18. And Matthew 18 starts this way. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his sin. Start with that person, go and show them their sin. If they don't listen, take another one along. If they don't listen, then take the church. And, and in the whole of this context, you know what the concern is? The concern is not that you're right and they're wrong. The concern is that they need to be connected to God. And what they're doing right now is prohibiting their connection to God. And because that relationship, that connection to God is so important... They need to hear the truth, whether it's easy to say or not. So when do we confront? When it's dangerous. When something's big at stake, you got to stand up. But this reminds me of, when does God stand up? And what is he looking for in order to enter into a situation? We have a fill-in-the-blank passage. I don't know if you know the answers to this fill-in-the-blank. That God opposes the blank but shows favor to the blank. Does anyone know? God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. God says if you're proud, you're like this nail that needs to get pegged down. If you think that you're better, if you think that it's by your power, that's what God is looking for in order to humble you. And if ever there was a case for this, oh my goodness, King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar. As we're taking notes, though, God stands up to the proud, and let me tell you about what happens to the king. So Daniel warns him, and it works for a time, as warnings do. In fact, for 12 months, King Nebuchadnezzar seems great. But then later on, it says 12 months later, this is what the king was known for saying. Are you ready? Is not this great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? At which point we say, dun, dun, dun. It's all going to go bad from here. And it's not the only case in Scripture. There are other cases where someone says something like this, a Herod is Caesar, and God immediately rebukes them. So, So look at what happens next. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and nails like the claws of a bird. Now, if you've never read this section of scripture, you're like, that's even possible? If you're in the medical community, um, this has to be, uh, like, how does that happen? (laughs) What hormone intake, you know, physiologically, how do you, wow. And yet, can God make it possible? He's in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. So an artist's rendition of Nebuchadnezzar is here. You see this? Feathers, 
claws. All because of pride. And you might look at this and say, God, man, you're so tough on him. God, wow, you're, you're savage. <laughs> but do you know this is actually love? Because this great and powerful king would never recognize the king of kings unless Daniel intervened. You see, God could have let King go off with his own pride and his own imaginations, and he would have been so far from God, but in love, he rebukes him. And so here's what you need to know about this situation. God stands up actually to those that he loves. See, discipline is not an absence of love. And this is where parenting is so apropos once again, right? So let's imagine a dinner table uh, conversation. Eat your veggies, eat your veggies, eat your veggies. Have you as a parent ever gotten so frustrated with the eat your veggies conversation that you just give up? Fine. Right? Or maybe it was a different issue. Do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. And, and you get so frustrated, you ah. Now, in that regard, wouldn't we agree it would be better if they listened to mom and dad the first time? Did the homework, get the veggies, right? And wouldn't we also maybe say, if you're tracking with me, maybe you would agree with me that the parent giving up is actually a judgment on the child's behavior. It's not going to go better for them. It's just that they're exhausted. They don't want to put up with it. It's, it's not good in general, right? God in heaven looks down at us, right? He tries to rope us in all the time. He tries to warn us, don't go there and go there. He tries to say, make me the love of your life. He, he tries to over and over get us close to him. And yet at one point or another, if we continue to rebel, his greatest judgment is doing nothing about it. His greatest judgment is when he stops trying to intervene and call you back. A great theologian, C.S. Lewis, he put it this way. There are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. And with the Spirit of God, you see which one is better, right? So I wonder where all this lands. Oh, man. We could repent of so much. Of all the times that we try to steal the glory of God, even though he gave us all that we have. Of the times in our pride, we didn't want to be confronted or accepted. Or in our pride, we didn't confront in a godly way out of love and concern for someone else. When it comes to the idea of confrontation, none of us have been perfect. But that's why the hope of this place is not us. The hope of this place is Jesus Christ. And I need to tell you about his beauty. See, Jesus stood up in a very beautiful way to a man named Judas. And Judas was on a track that, that Jesus was trying to give him a turnaround, trying to give him a U-turn, trying to say, wake up! Judas the betrayer, the night before Jesus was betrayed, was with the Lord. And Jesus said these words, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. 
basically, Judas, it's not too late. Judas, I know. Judas, I'm here with mercy and love. It doesn't have to go down this way. Even then, trying to call him back. That's the same God who comes to us and confronts out of love. And the reason he confronts is so that you can find in him peace. So that you can find in him forgiveness. You can find in him grace for every time you've rebelled. I love the cross of Jesus. Because of forgiveness, you are free to fail. Do you know that? You don't have to walk out today thinking you got it all together. You don't have to put on airs with your spouse or anyone else. You're definitely not in this place. You can be completely broken and own what happened because you're free to fail. There's forgiveness on the other end.